When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why we should go outside into the sunlight and talk about an outer order, inner calm related dilemma. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I often get to spend a lot of time in the sunlight when I go to visit you in Los Angeles. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I'm wondering if this um, need for sunlight can um, let me buy myself a convertible. (laughs) Good excuse. I love convertibles. Yes. So before we jump in, we got a great update on 19 for 2019, how we love hearing about people's 19 for 2019. And this was a great idea that came from Lauren. She says, my friend and I have decided that our version of the 19 for 2019 is to pick 19 places we want to get coffee or eat at together. We always want to branch out, but usually our decision fatigue gets the better of us and we pick the same few places. Now we have 19 coffee shops and restaurants on our list to try this year. Next time we get together, we will check another one off our list. Fantastic idea. This is so fun. It's so creative. I love the idea of doing it with a friend. Um, And she's right about decision fatigue. Decision fatigue is real. And a lot of times we don't do something that we want to do just because we sort of can't face that initial fatigue of just deciding. Mm-hmm. And then and then if you're dealing with somebody else, then you kind of have to negotiate it. And um, this just simplifies all that and kind of makes it into this fun adventure instead of this tiresome decision that has to be made over and over. 
Yeah, I really love the idea of um, doing this with Adam and Jack because Mm. we could end up exploring all different parts of Los Angeles because it's so spread out. It's almost like being a tourist in your own hometown, going to all these different restaurants. Yeah. So like we could go to a restaurant in Malibu on a Sunday afternoon. So I want to I really want to do this. Well, the fact is, I mean, speaking of 19 for 2019, we are in Q4 now. Um, so, oh, Lord. Yeah, we got to step it up because 2019 is coming to a close and we're just about to head into 20 for 20. So, um, oh, goodness. Good, good reminder. And we have also been having so much fun touring. We still have yes. some shows coming up. Yeah, we've got Providence, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. And tickets are now on sale. You can get them at GretchenRubin.com slash events. Um, we have so much fun doing this and we do a lot of stuff that we can't do on the podcast because it's visual. Yeah. So come and see us, bring your friends. Yeah. We love when groups come together and tell us how they know each other. It's so much fun to hear about all the backstory. So yes, please come. And Alyssa, this week our Try This at Home tip is to go outside into the sunlight. So this is really interesting and it's not just going outside. You're saying it's really about the sunlight. Yes. I just read this absolutely fascinating book by Linda Geddes called Chasing the Sun, the New Science of Sunlight and How It Shapes Our Bodies and Minds. And it turns out that sunlight and and also darkness, but really the sunlight is so important for the health um, and, and energy of our bodies. And why is this? Well, it turns out that many unpleasant conditions like insomnia, depression, obesity have been linked to a disrupted body clock, you know, the circadian rhythm. And it's regular exposure to daylight that helps strengthen that daily rhythm. Um, Mm. And also um, sunlight boosts the availability of serotonin in the brain. And that is the substance that helps us regulate our moods. And so it turns out that if you go out in the sun, you can help lower your blood pressure, help immune system, boost your spirits. It also, as we all know, it helps to make you more alert and active. You really wake up. Um, And here's something that's really interesting, that if you want to have that jumpstart of of your body clock, it's most effective when you get that light first thing in the morning, because that's what Mm. helps the body clock to reset. So if you can get that light in the morning, that is that's really great. Um, well, this is making me feel good about living in Los Angeles, Scratch, because there's a lot of sunlight in Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that, you know, you don't think about the fact that our bodies need to know when is it time to sleep? When is it time to be alert? When is it time to be hungry? Um, and the body clock is what does that. And part of what does it is the light coming into your eye. And part of it is the sunlight on your in your skin. Um, I was interested in this because Eliza really gets the winter blues. Um, And, you know, we're heading up in wintertime here in the United States where we live. This is not such an issue for you, but I live in New York City. And it turns out that exposure to bright light, especially in the early morning, is a a proven way to deal with that. And I always say to Eliza, go out in the morning, get the light in your eyes. And like, she'll sleep till 10 with her blinds drawn. I'm like, you can't do that. You've got to go outside, get that light Mm. in your eyes. Now, Gretchen, um, did the book talk about like how much time we spend indoors versus in the sunlight, um, you know, in the U.S.? Well, it's really striking. It turns out that in the United States, we spend about 87 percent of our time indoors and six percent in cars. 
Mm. Um, but here's the interesting thing. Okay, when you're sitting in an office and it's like lit and you're doing work, you feel like, oh, I'm in a bright room. That's like twilight. It's mm. actually quite dim. If you go outside on an even the most overcast winter day, outside is at least 10 times brighter than inside. If it's a summer day with no clouds and, the, and like noon and the sun is high in the sky, it's like a thousand times brighter. And so the difference of being inside and being outside is huge in terms of how much light is coming into your brain. But here's another thing that's really important about this is that when you're more exposed to light during the day, you tend to fall asleep faster and sleep longer. And that seems to be the case, even if you are, as one does, using screens, using electric lights, you know, looking at your device, all this, there's something about more bright light seems to help people sleep better. And so it's not enough to be in a bright room because outside is so much brighter than inside. And what do we do, Gretchen, about the whole issue of skin cancer? I mean, we all are told again and again to wear SPF, not be in the sun, um, can you wear SPF and still get the benefit of the sunlight? Well, I have to say this was a part of the book that I wish that Linda Geddes had gone into more thoroughly and really talked about kind of the news you can use aspect of it. Because on the one hand, it's absolutely clear that there's a connection between skin cancer and the sun, and that's very detrimental. However, it's also very clear that sunlight also has benefits, it, um, that, it's, that it helps us to synthesize vitamin D, that it's, it's important for the immune function, that there's a lot of important things about being out into the sun. Um, one thing that was helpful is like what you really want to do is to avoid sunburn. That is really bad. So mm -hmm. avoid sunburn. Then she made the point that you can, being out in the sun depends on the UV index and that you should stay out of the sun when the UV index is three or above. Do they talk about that in Los Angeles, the UV index? I've never heard it mentioned. Okay, well, I never <laughs> heard. you think it's something they would announce on the news, yeah. wouldn't you? But I, they never mention that. Well, so you can look it up. I just like typed it into Google as one does. And it turns out like in New York City in October, the average UV index is four. So it's just slightly hmm. above. So that would suggest that I need to wear sunscreen. But like in December, it's one. Hmm, interesting. But I did look up LA. I didn't know if that was something that people talk about all the time. But the lowest in LA is December and January, and that's a three. So like oh, you're wow. always in that zone. So I felt like I didn't really quite understand the whole sunscreen and exposure to sunlight of it all. And I want to do more research on that. Yes. We'll report back to everyone if we get answers on this. Yes. Because, but even just the light, I mean, I just feel... I feel it in myself. I mean, you know, now that we have our dog Barnaby, I always do the early morning walk. And I feel like I feel like it really has been a happiness apart from Barnaby and like all that. I feel like just having that that forced reason to be outside in the early morning light. Yeah. I feel like it really does make a difference to my whole day. Um, so I was fascinated to read about just how much more important it is than we than we realized. Yes. Okay. So we all need to go outside in the early morning. Yeah. Get that sunshine. Let us know if you do try this at home and how going outside into the sunlight works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 244 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack to help you snack less at night. But first, this break. Mm. 
There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Gretchen, it's time for this week's happiness hack. Yes, and this is a hack that's related to something that many people point to as a habit that they would like to stop, which is the habit of night snacking. Oh my gosh, it's the bane of my existence. Uh, well, it's very, very common. You will feel better when you hear this. You are in company. Research suggests that Americans consume 30% of their daily energy intake after 8 o'clock p.m. Mm -hmm. That is a lot. That's kind of after the official mealtimes are over. And as the day wears on, we tend to choose increasingly unhealthy options. You know, you're not, mm. it's not 1030 at night and you're eating celery sticks. You know, you're not having right. scrambled eggs. Uh, you know, you might right. have that and at I eight. don't eat Cheez-Its at 10 a.m. Exactly. Right. And so one of the habits a lot of people mention is, okay, I want to stop snacking after dinner. And one very simple thing to do, which I find works really well for me, is to brush your teeth after dinner. Because mm. it cleans out your mouth. And it, because I associate brushing my teeth with like going to bed, it makes me kick into that, like, well, now I'm in the bedtime zone, not the eating mm -hmm. zone. Yeah. That's good. That's good advice. I should try that, especially if I flossed, if I brushed and flossed. Well, then you don't you know, want to undo it because then you're like, oh, that, I went. That's to what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Then it's like, oh, my teeth are so clean. I don't want to get it messed up. <laughs> I don't want to do it twice. It. <laughs> I'll try this one. Excellent. Good. And now for a happiness stumbling block. And this is something that I really struggle with. And Elizabeth, you and I have talked about it. There's sort of, mm -hmm. it, there's no elegant phrase for it, but it's the stumbling block of needing to raise and press an unpleasant issue. 
Yes, we all deal with this in life, and there is, I don't have a great um, solution for it. Yeah, this is the situation where there's something unpleasant that needs to be talked about. Maybe it's something at home and you need to talk to your sweetheart about it. Maybe it's something at work where there's some kind of unpleasant issue. And there's a lot of energy that goes into mustering up the command to say, hey, I think we need to talk about this. Yes. But what happens is sometimes people are like, I don't want to talk about it. Yes. Um, I remember when I got married to Jamie, I didn't know you could just like, I don't want to talk about this right now. I was like, I didn't know you could Mm. do that. Oh, yeah. Correct. You can't. You can't. You can just sort of kick it down the road. It's definitely something Adam and I struggle with. Right. You just sort of keep the postponing. Yes. Like, I'll say we should talk about um, what Jack's going to do this summer. And he's like, I don't want to think about it. And so then it's like, okay. Yeah. Neither do I. Right. Yeah. But we need to. So I think there's sort of a couple aspects of this. One is giving yourself a gold star if you're raising it because it is a big effort. Um, Mm -hmm. But also recognizing if others do it, it's taking a lot of effort for them because I think when somebody else raises it, it's easy to not take into account like just raising something that no one wants to talk about is very, very draining. It's because it's easier to ignore something or postpone it. Or just like let it slide out of mind. But for somebody to say, okay, we really need to talk about blah, blah, blah. Um, It's like, okay, you know, try to cooperate if you can't, because it probably took a lot out of that person to even raise it up. Yeah, Gretchen, it occurs to me that um, this probably is why a lot of people have like a family meeting every Sunday night, you know, because it's like all unpleasant things are discussed at the family meeting. And then you don't have to constantly all week say, should I bring it up now? Yeah. Should I bring it up now? Is now a good time? Is tonight yeah. a good time? So I see why the family meeting could be helpful. Well, and I think that goes exactly to the thing about if you're the one bringing it up, you do want to pick a good moment. Because I think like uh, one thing that I do sometimes is yeah. I just want to get something off my mind or I want to get it checked off the list. So like the minute I can grab Jamie, I'm like, let's talk about it right now. Well, that's a time that works for me, but it's not necessarily a good time for him. And so if you are the one raising these issues, you do want to be strategic and try to find a time when someone else has the attention and the energy and kind of the wherewithal to sit down and talk. And you're right, if you have sort of a set appointment, then everybody is kind of geared up for that and ready for that. Yeah, because I do the exact same thing, Gretch. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I should pick a guy. I know this is going to be an um, intense conversation or an unpleasant conversation or a tedious conversation, whatever the nature of it is. I should wait think about a good time. And then it's just like the pressure builds. And I'm just like, I have to do this now. I can't have it weighing on me. Yeah. I also think a thing that I've tried to become better at with when I'm raising an an unpleasant issue is to be very clear what the issue is. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, you can frame it like, we need to figure out what to do about this summer. Like that feels so huge and vague and there's so many aspects of it. It just feels like Mm -hmm. insurmountable. But if you say something like, you know, we wanted to go visit your brother. Like, let's pick a weekend for that. That's like, let's pick mm-hmm. a weekend. That feels so much more manageable. And then I think pre- people are probably more willing to cooperate than if you sort of frame it as like, this is some, some gigantic issue that we have to settle every aspect of it at one time. The other thing is, with some issues, you can just kind of bypass the conversation. And I think I've mentioned this before, like I've realized with the issue of plane tickets yeah. um, that it's much better if I say, hey, we're going to Kansas City for Christmas. I'm going to get plane tickets this day and that day. 
Yeah. And then just decide myself. And then if for some reason Adam wants to protest greatly on those dates, he can. But like, I'm not asking him to sit there with me and like, look at the calendar and right. think about the dates. It's much better if I just go ahead and do it for, yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Sometimes we involve people who don't want to be involved. And it's like, oh, just yes. be easier. Just go ahead and do it yourself. So I don't think we have any great solutions for this. It's just something to think about and have a framework for understanding why it can be a problem. And I think it's helpful just to know that we all deal with this. You know, every I remember one time Adam wanted to get this very expensive sound system in our house, which he knew that I would not want. And he took me out to breakfast and like plan this whole thing because he obviously (laughs) had spent weeks stomach churning. Like, when am I going to talk to her about the sound system? Um, So we all deal with this. We all deal with it. Yeah. Uh, And now for a listener question. As always, you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or that's also 77-HAPPY-336 or email us or send us a voice memo to podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Gretchen, this week's um, question comes from another Gretchen. Mm. So I love that. She says, I have a big problem with excess clothing in my house, and it has been like this for quite a few years. When I was in my 20s and even into my 30s, I invested heavily in clothes, including a lot of suits for work. I worked in D.C. and needed a lot of them. These are nice suits, not cheap. I have held on to many of them for way too long. I have donated some to dress for success, but still have a lot, including some with tags. I now live in Virginia Beach, which is heavily military and resort industry. It's a beach town, so a lot of the population does not wear suits. Dress for success, Hampton Roads, stop taking donations. Consignment shops won't take these, and I hate to just bring them to a thrift store where they are likely not going to someone who needs them. I have tried selling them at yard sales and online, no luck. So here is the issue. I can clearly identify suits that need to exit. Many of them are sitting in wardrobe boxes in my garage waiting. It means a lot to me for these to go to women who need them, such as women re-entering the workplace, have fallen on hard times, etc. I could drive to Richmond or D.C. and find a dress for success there, but when I tell my friends that I'll only get a write-off, they think I should sell them and make some money. I see so many people selling things online, and I just don't have that type of success and really don't have a lot of time either. I'm curious if other readers have this problem, can let go of items, but get stuck on where to donate or how to get rid of them. It really does cause me anxiety and stress that I can't seem to figure this out and move forward. I could be using the space in the house for other needs and the space in the garage for my car. I am better now with my clothing spending habits and decisions, so I know this won't repeat. Any advice from you or your listeners is appreciated. Common problem. Common problem, but I think this listener knows what the answer is. I think she's she's answered it for herself. Yes. Yeah, and she just yes. wants us to say it's okay. Yes, it is okay to just give these yes. suits away. You do not need to sell them. No. I mean, first of all, I hate to point out the obvious, but suits, like, styles change. Yes. So it's not likely that someone's going to buy your 15-year-old suit <laughs> you know, even if it has the tags. Yeah. I mean, it's just styles change. Well, and I will say this too, and I saw this in the, the when I was touring for Outer Order Inner Calm. People are very quick to say to other people, oh, you should just sell it. It's a lot of work to mm-hmm. sell things, especially things that are yes. not huge ticket. And like you say, like she's not, I mean, best case scenario, she's not going to get that much money. 
And it'd be a lot of time and energy and hassle. And she's saying like, right now I could use the space and I would like to get these things out of my house. It's like, that's valuable too. And even if it's only a write-off, as yeah. she's her friends say, giving them to dress for success, I mean, you know people are really using them and getting a value. And that has its own value just knowing that they're being used well. So I say drive to those places, drop them off. Yes. And I think you can't be that concerned about getting them into exactly the right hands. Like you can't 100% control yeah. that. And so it sounds like she's done her research. She's got a plan. Go for it. Get the stuff out of your garage and off your conscience. Yes. Now, Gretch, I just have to mention, this reminds me of when you did Super Soul Sunday uh, with Oprah. Oh, yes. Um, I'm sure you remember <laughs> that day. Um, we were together. I was watching you. Yes. And I was watching um, from Video Village, as we call it, um, watching you tape. And before you actually started the, the, um, the interview, Oprah was saying that she has Chicago closets and that she needed to turn her closets over into Santa Barbara closets. Which just is funny. It reminded me of this person who's like, I have a closet for a corporate closet and now I need a beach town closet. And it's true. Your needs change and there's no reason to hang on to stuff from like a former life, no matter how nice it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great question. Yes. Coming up, Gretchen has a TV gold star. But first, this break. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, it's time for Demerits and Gold Stars. And this week, Elizabeth, it's your turn for the demerit. Okay, Gretchen, this is something I think a lot of people will relate to, although um, they'll have a different context for their demerit. Um, But mine is that I didn't advocate for myself at the dentist. So it's really not advocating for myself. And it just happens to be this was at the dentist. But what happened is I went to get a crown. Um, I'd had the temporary made and now I was getting the permanent. And the dentist wasn't there. The hygienist was going to do it. And I don't know if this is strictly like something that hygienists are allowed to do or not allowed to do based on various rules. But to me, it just felt wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I really wasn't comfortable with it. And I wish I had just said, you know what, I'm going to come back. I'm not comfortable with you doing my crown. I'll come back when the dentist is available. But I didn't. Because I didn't want to be rude. I had spent an hour driving there, so I didn't want that time to go to waste. But now it's been, that was like almost a month ago, and it's been nothing but a problem since. And I've had to go in two more times, and I may end up having to get the whole thing redone. 
And it just really, I mean, first I'm irritated with them, yes. But I'm also irritated with myself for like putting the power into someone else's hands. I could have said no and just walked out and I didn't. And in the moment you had a a feeling, in the moment you had a feeling like I feel uncomfortable. I don't think this person should be doing this job. Yes. I just didn't, it did not feel right to me. And I wish I'd listened. Everybody says, listen to your instincts. Um, And I just wish I'd listened to it because there's no reason, you know, why if I want the dentist to do something, I shouldn't do that rather than just um, go along to get along. But see, I I would have done exactly what you do just because I want to get it crossed off the list. And I'm like, I'm here to yes. get it crossed off the list. And I'm so excited that it's finally going to get crossed off the list. Yeah. And I, you yes. know, I don't want to turn around and it's just boomeranged right back in my face. Oh, that's too bad. Oh. So anyway, I think we all do this at times. Yes. We just sort of let ourselves be rolled over instead of standing up for ourselves. Absolutely. But Gretch, what is your gold star? Well, I was thinking about TV and um, Elizabeth, you know, we think about sisters um, and I'm always on the lookout for like good sibling things. And I was realizing how many wonderful shows that I love that really are about siblings. And so I want to give a gold yes. star to TV and the, and the sibling theme to Game of Thrones, Succession, Transparent, Downton Abbey, Modern Family, Fleabag, Dallas, Brady Bunch. <laughs> then there's some, then there are the shows that have siblings within the larger group, shows like Friends and Happy Endings. I just realized how much I enjoy um, those kinds of family stories. Uh, yes, whether they're like the worst, most awful siblings <laughs> yes, or the yes. sweetest yeah. siblings, it's always interesting. It's always interesting. So here's a moment I love, a sibling moment from Game of Thrones. I'm not, it's a slight spoiler here. Um, there's, a, there's a moment in the show where the question is whether the Stark brothers and sisters in this family, the Stark family, will stand together or not. And now we know they ha- they are standing together. And so that's, there's a thrill to knowing that they are, they are together. And so here's a clip of the sisters Arya and Sansa talking about the value of staying together, which they learned from their father. Um, and they're looking over the walls of Winterfell, their ancestral home. And it's a moment where you really feel the connection in this family. I never could have survived what you survived. You would have. You're the strongest person I know. I believe that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Well, don't get used to it. Still very strange and annoying. In winter, we must protect ourselves. Look after one another. Father. When the snows fall and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. I love that at this transcendent moment, Sansa's like, well, you're still very strange and annoying. <laughs> like, yes. that's a very oh my God, it gives me chills. So good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Go outside into the sunlight. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. As always, 
If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to connect with other happier listeners or to other readers who read my books, please join my free app called Better. Um, you can also have an accountability group there if you would like an accountability group. You can join on any computer by going to betterapp.us or search your app store for Better Gretchen Rubin. It's free and lots of fun. And I'm often asked for my favorite uh, recommendations for young adult literature, children's literature, because I'm such a fan of those books. And so I made a list of my 81 favorites. If you would like to see that list, you can download the PDF at GretchenRubin.com slash resources. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Gretchen, I must say I'm happy you and I have never had an encounter like either Sansa and Arya or like any of the siblings in succession. (laughs) We had a much more peaceful upbringing than those sisters and brothers. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. From the Onward Project.